0: Hey, what's good? It's your boy, MC. Currently working on what we're going to call Season 2 of the Vocal Minority Report. New interviews, bigger names, also the names you haven't heard. We're still going to give you those people who shape our culture and influence our world out there. Still going to talk to those people. going to sprinkle in some larger names, perhaps some throwbacks. We're just going to make it do what it does. You know what I mean? Appreciate everybody listening, sticking with us. The news, it's kind of in flux right now. don't know if we're going to do the daily, if we're going to switch to a weekly. We're working on a little sponsorship, kind of partnership deal with that. So not sure what's happening with the news for those of you guys who are clamoring, waiting for the unique delivery that the Vocal Minority Report gives you with the Negro News Minute. As always, make sure you go to thevocalminorityreport.com. Check out, I make new updates there almost every day. So check out everything that we've done. There's new pages, work on a blog. There's a press kit for those who be interested in advertising and working with the show. There are the new listen page. There's, there's all kinds of new stuff there. So check that out. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. Really appreciate it. We've got a new survey partner. We have PodTrack. So what they do, you probably heard this on other podcasts, but they find out a little bit more about you and what you like about our show, specifically the Vocal Minority Report. So we've got a survey on the website This asks general information about you, but then we have this other link to this PiTrack track survey. So please go there. You'll see the link there under uh, survey, and then I'll post the link in the show notes as well. You'll be hearing me do this for the next couple of months so we can gain a little more information so we can be more attractive to both you as listeners and to uh, potential folks who can support the show and keep us going, right? So with that, this is a throwback episode. This is actually episode 7. Technically, there are 70 episodes of The Vocal Minority Report out. That's a combination of guest interviews, which I think we're at like 40, or or I'm at 40, 45, something like that. Then there's the true crime-specific episodes that we did on the unfortunate murder of April Jace. There's three or four rebroadcasts of some popular episodes or episodes that were timely, which is what we're gonna to do today. We're gonna to rebroadcast episode seven, 17 beautiful ones featuring Chris Arnold. If you're from Dallas, if you're into sports, then you, you've probably heard that name. And here I call him a Dallas radio legend. And I get into some of that in this episode, some of the setup there. But it's a great conversation because he knew Prince for uh, quite some time and he gets into the depth of their relationship. So I thought I would play this in honor and remembrance of him because the purple one really touched me. I remember going to see him in concert in the year I think it was 2000 or 2001 at uh, the Dallas Convention Center and it was dope he had shoulder length hair he turned it out Najee was there it it was uh it was a great night so hope you enjoyed this episode here's the show
1: vocal minority. Are you part of the silent majority, or are you part of the vocal minority?
2: Oh, fuck, let's go. <laughs> attention, please,
1: attention, please. If America can be saved, and I don't know if it's too late. But it'll be a radio show. like this,
2: this new crime This shit here feels like a whole entire
1: wild <laughs> Televised, will that be televised? Will that be televised? Will that be, we'll be, we'll be televised?
2: The revolution will be no reverse, brothers. It's the vocal minority. The revolution
0: will be live. Welcome to another episode of the Vocal Minority Show. This is your boy MC. We have another very special guest on the show this week. Very happy to bring you a Dallas radio legend. He's been at the forefront of sports and entertainment coverage in a career that spans more than 30 years. He was a staple every morning, first with Tom Jorner, then part of the legendary Skip Murphy and Company. He's the man who declared movie watching a sport. He was married to a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, had Janet Jackson give him her digits. He's the NBA's first ever in game MC, future Hall of Famer for sure. He's currently the host of G-Bag Nation on CBS Radio's Dallas 105.3 The Fan. Heard weekdays 10 to 3. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chris Arnold. How you doing, Chris? Yes, yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate the introduction. Hey, no problem, man. I could have kept going, but I, I know we have uh, limited time here because you, you've done so much. So I'm flattered. I feel like this. I'm just lucky to be around this long. I feel like I'm cool on. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, no, that's... uh. Yeah. Speaking of that, you know, being around this long, I mean, you, you've got such a career that is, like I said, spanned decades and you've met so many people. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Cause, you know, since the passing of Prince, uh, what is that about nine or 10 days ago? There's been a lot of, a lot of stories, a lot of people talking about what he meant to them. And I feel like my audience probably doesn't, they don't need to hear me go on and on about how much I love Purple Rain and uh, all of that. So I want to do something different and, and talk to someone who actually had some real life experience and I, I guess a relationship uh, of some sorts with Prince. And who better to speak on that than you? So I, I wanted to see if we can maybe start from the beginning. And when, when did you get into Prince? I, I know you met him maybe early in his career, but when did you first get into Prince and let's start listening to his music? What was your first entree into him? Alright, when I was in college, I was also a DJ at the University
1: of Oklahoma, I was a disc jockey in Oklahoma City, so the record companies would send me albums, and they would send me the albums before they actually came out onto the uh, record store and stuff, and I just looked through the different albums and different artists to see who I liked. They sent me Prince's first album, For You, and I looked at the cover, and then I looked on the back. And I saw that he played all the instruments, and he did all the vocals, and he produced arranged, and composed it. And I was like, what? This dude looks kind of young. And he was on the cover with a little afro and all that. So I put it on, and if you've ever heard that album, the very first song is just voices. It's just him singing a cappella, but it sounds like a symphony. Okay. And then the music was just off the chain, and the, what the big hit song off of that album was Soft and Wet. So that's when I first got in. The press was probably like 1978, before the album even hit. And I, I got in touch with the record company. I wanted to interview him, and they said he doesn't do interviews. And I went, oh, okay. So at that point, you know, I was already in, but I was like, okay, this guy's different, right? And that was in Oklahoma. Two years later, 1990, I'm in Dallas, and I'm still following his career. And he finally did the concert in 1981. And that's the first time I've met him. Now, what I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to qualify everything we're saying. I've always, my relationship with Prince is this. I'm cool with him. He's cool with me. I admire him. He respects
0: me. And it's kind of like that movie, The Fight Club. Okay. They say, well, go on to the fight club, stay in the fight club. Yes, sir. You don't admit, you don't talk about the fight club. Right. Okay. So anybody that's got any kind of friendship or anything with Prince, you don't ever want to say too much because then the next thing you know, you're not around him anymore. Yeah, you don't want to mess that up. Right. You don't, you don't want to upset. Wow. You're like, I can't believe
1: I'm, I'm I mean, I'm, like I said, I've always felt like I'm grateful that he allowed me to be in his world. So, you know, I've always just, he's so quiet, so private, so, you know, even the word mysterious fits.
0: I've always just kind of said just a little here and there. So now with his passing, and obviously, you know, you don't want to, I understand you respect him and the homeboy code. And like I said, you, you want to be a part of uh, what's going on. So in his passing now, so I, I know you said you got some stories to tell and some myths to correct. I'm curious how deep we can get into uh, some of those stories you have to tell and some myths we okay, can correct. I can give you, can give you, can give you a couple of things. Uh Number one.
2: Like I, said, I don't want to go. I don't want to too much because a book I could I could literally write a book. Okay, yeah, no. i am tell you this: I was honored and flattered enough to spend three New Year's Eves in a row with him. After parties like that, uh, been to Paisley Park. The first time I went was in the daytime, and he actually invited me to Paisley Park. Um, the second time I went, now this is going to be an interesting story because I'm going to tell you basically
1: how Chris became a Jehovah Witness. I'm not responsible for it. I'm a qualified first off, but. I'ma tell you how it went down. Okay. Number one exclusive. The uh second time the second time I went to Paisley Park, this was in the, uh, the first time I went to Paisley Park, it was in the late nineteen eighties. He invited me up there and I, I was glad I had a chance to go. Here's another thing a lot of people don't know. Prince actually has three houses. He wasn't living in Paisley Park at first. He had a house, it was purple, actually it was lavender, it was very tasteful, it wasn't like ugly purple or loud purple, it was like <laughs> Damn, this house
2: fits in this neighborhood. <laughs> right. And he gave it to his father at a basketball court out front. That's when I found out that
0: Prince could actually play basketball. And by the way, that stuff on the Japan show is true. Okay, about- so that's that's I true. First. Okay. Yeah, Charlie Murphy, yeah, that's true.
1: In fact, we did an interview with Prince just before he got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Or well, actually, right after he got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Skip Murphy and Company. And I asked him about that. And he said, "Yeah, everything's true except they were
0: wearing like real warm-ups, not blouses. That <laughs> is stage clothes." Okay. And he said he did serve pancakes the next morning. Oh wow! Okay. And warm. Okay, so and, uh, so so and they beat him and they got pancakes. Met him in New York and they became pretty good friends. Wow. Okay. All right. So so that story is right? true. Okay. Yeah,
1: that story is true. But let me go back to him uh, becoming a Jehovah's Witness. Like I said, the first time I went up there, it was in the daytime. And he had, a, he, had, he's got, he had two other houses. He lived in a big house around the corner from Paisley Park. And Paisley Park was just this studio. It had a huge sound stage and very private. And, but he invited me over there. The second time I went, the NBA All-Star Weekend was in Minneapolis. I want to say it like 1994. And I knew Prince was going to have an after party or a party because he always does. And I said, it's in, it's in his hometown too. I know it's going to happen before I could even try to reach him, Tom Joyner said he got a pass. And Chris, you got to go
2: with me because <laughs> you and Prince and the whole, I said, you know, I'm in. Right. No, so, let's do it. So I went with Tom Jordan to Tom Joyner,
1: the Prince's party and you had to have the invitation to get in. That was it. In fact, we were going in the door often from the French Prince. Uh, he was coming in with some
0: people and he didn't have a pass. And they would not let him in. Oh, wow. <laughs> they would not let him in. And it wasn't Prince. There was a security. You know, Prince ain't at the door picking people. Right. Yeah, he's back. He's, he's running, it. He, he running it. Right. Okay. And, right. Now, I've been to three New Year's Eve parties with Prince. So I know Prince is a person of a person when he wants to be. So and let me at, New Year's Eve party. Go ahead. So how did you get on in that level with Prince where you you, where you were invited? I, mean, I know, uh, you know you went to the party with Tom Jordan in this case. But to be in all these events and be cool on that level and part of that circle when you were, how did you get on that level with him in your interaction? How did you break through there? It was just pure, just
2: meeting him over time, overall, and see me again and see me again and see me again. Okay. The first, uh, the first time I ever met
1: him was actually in the elevator at the High Regency Hotel in Dallas. After one of his shows, I was going to go to his after party and I didn't know he was going to be at that hotel but after, this is like late after the concert and I'm going up the elevator and he gets in with his big old bodyguard and I was awkward because like he's a little tiny and there's probably about three or four people in there and I shook hands with him in a little glove and all that <laughs> next thing you know later on we wind up at the same after party I knew it was his after party right. but I, I you know and then I wound up see what it is is you like I know the record label people, I know the concert promoters. I never buy concert tickets to Prince.
2: I work at a radio station, right? Right. So I would have a hookup somewhere or the other and then I would find out where the after party was or whatever. And then I would meet
1: Prince and he'd see me again. Or he and we'd have a conversation or he was real but like one of the parties, I'll just give you a little pull back the curtain a little bit. One of his early parties with a New Year's Eve party and, and I'm at the same table with Prince and as, far as going on. And everybody's dancing, and the prince decides he wants to dance. Well, he gets out on the dance floor with one of his background singers or somebody, and they start doing this weird dance. I am not lying. Whole dance floor start doing the exact same thing. The same weird little dance. It's like, they just, it was choreograph- choreography. I was like, damn, that's wrong. <laughs> and, um, I remember also one of those first parties, one of the people sitting at the table, I always remember this because it was, I thought it was so crazy. Somebody asked him how much did he weigh. Oh, wow. Remember, it
2: was a New Year's Eve party. It was a New Year's Eve party. He had one of the party favors in his mouth. And he just looked at that dude crazy and went, Rah! and hit that party favor. you know, and <laughs> right. rolled his eyes. <laughs>
1: also, that same party, you know, he's doing his little dance on the dance floor. How come somebody tried to take a picture? Mind, mind you, at this party, it's after party. They yeah, have Morris Day in the Time. You got Sheila E. You got
2: uh, Vanity Six back then. It wasn't even Apollonia Six. It was Vanity Six. Okay. Everybody's in this party.
1: And somebody, I want to say it was in their groups, one of those groups, tried to take a picture. Wow. And the just snapped his fingers. Big chick took the whole, uh, you guys' camera and just took out all the film, just pulled it on out. That was the end of that. And I'm like, oh, Okay. I am never going to take a picture with him. I know that ain't gonna happen.
2: Right, he yeah, yeah. I took pictures of him on his stage in the sound stage in the studio, and he let me take some pictures inside of the Park.
1: Okay. And I never was able to take a picture with him or of him because he didn't allow that. He just didn't want his picture taken. Remember this about Prince: he controls everything. He does uh, not do what he doesn't want to
0: do. Right. He got. He doesn't trust record companies. He doesn't trust a lot of people. So that's
1: why I say to be that close to him, I feel honored. And I, I've i always been careful about how much I say and what I don't say because I don't ever want to like break a relationship. Even though he's passed away, I still feel
2: the same way from years and years and years. You know what I mean? Of
0: course. Like, you just don't say too much. But I've mean, got some that shows wonderful that, uh, memories. Yeah, and like you said, that shows that level of respect you have for him. You you, you weren't just a hanger on. I mean, like you said, I man, you you're a professional number one in the in the radio industry, and you and you were cool and yeah, able and to so, maintain that. Yeah, and, and and again, I would see him over and over again.
1: We're like in the same world. I mean, we'd be in running to the same people, or he'd be like, for example, I'd see him at after either backstage of his concert or at his after party, or. You know, he would have, last after party, he would have parties where he performed, like he'd take over a club, right? So I'd see him there. And not just in Dallas, it'd be wherever I happen to be if he happened to be in town. So he would see me and we'd talk because he'd know who I was.
2: Hey, Chris. Right, okay. What are you doing here? Whatever. Okay. And, and then uh, there were times like he would be at, like, a, I'd be in Minnesota for whatever the reason, whether it was the Super Bowl. Because they had a Super Bowl up there, right. whether
0: it was the uh, World Series, uh the Final Four, Maverick games, Cowboy games, he'd be at those games. And I, That's because he's, he's like, a big well, sports fan, right? Everybody else is like giving him space and they're afraid to approach him.
1: I look over there and I go, "Chris, there you go, grin on his face." Hey man, what you doing, man? Hey Chris, what's <laughs> what's going on, man? I things in Dallas? And we just, you know, we just talk.
0: So, you know, you know, I I'm uh I'm guessing you guys are about the same age. So, I you think that had a lot I mean the exact same age. Okay, so so you know, you you are also a contemporary as such. you weren't just some guy, you know, like you guys had the the age right. thing in common too. Okay. Exactly. He's actually 3 or 4 months older than me. He was born on June the 7th. I was born on September 19th, both of us in 1958. And so again, I would see him in different environments, different situations, and this is going over 35 years. So right. It, it's like, I don't know how to explain it, but, I, but again, I was going to tell you how he became a Jehovah Witness, because this is really ironic. And again, I also, I know a lot of the same people that he knows and trusts. Okay. You follow what I'm saying? Of course. Yeah, no, I got you. Like, yeah. You know, the ex- like, like the extended okay. click.
1: And, and again, they would see that I'm cool with him, and he's cool with me, and then they were cool with me or vice versa around, and then you just, get, I thought that's the best way I can
0: explain it. That's the best way I can explain it. It was a comfort level there. No, I understand. So, here's this Jehovah Witness story, which is
1: really interesting. Okay, so, he has this NBA All-Star Weekend party, and he's mixing and mingling with everybody in all the different rooms, and this is when he changed his name to a symbol. And so, I went up to him and I said, hey, I don't want to be rude, because I know he would to change your name. So, what do I call you now? I said, how do you pronounce it? And he just looked at me and said, you don't. <laughs> and then he just kind of started laughing. And then I asked one of his, uh, one of his uh, guys in his band, I said, man, we all call Prince. Man, we call him Prince. That man, that's just show business, baby. He's Prince. That's Prince. <laughs> so I went back up to him and I said, I ain't Prince. And he just started laughing. He just started laughing. And uh, uh so anyway at this party later on in the party you saw in the sound stage because he just let everybody roam from Rome to Rome, and there was you know flowers everywhere and petals on the ground and each room had different ambience and chill out room over here and more lively room over there you know candy machines all kinds of stuff was, you know anything you
2: want except for it was vegetarian stuff because you don't eat meat there's vegetarian this okay. just all kinds of snacks desserts and
1: uh, with no alcohol, it was just
0: you know. Water. So was, was he was he not a drinker beforehand, or was he always not a drinker and a partyer beforehand, or, or was he was this later? Yeah, he, he never was. He didn't, yeah, he didn't smoke or drink. Okay,
2: he did not do that. Okay.
1: that was not him. Okay, that was before he was a Jehovah Witness. Okay. Well, you could see he had his equipment and the light set up on the stage. It was like, wait a minute, he might perform later. on. Everybody knew. Do not leave this part. He might perform. And by the way, there were some uh, some of the NBA players that I, I remember. David Robinson was there because I was wound up standing next to
0: him on the show. So he did, the he did like one performance
1: and then for, like over out. You know Tevin Campbell?
0: Of course. Break it down. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Tevin was there. And okay. And when Prince started talking about break it down, shush, when well, he was getting ready to play that, he said, Tevin, come on the stage with me. And Tevin's standing right next to me
2: on the upside, there of Robert, And he's like, no, oh, I can't, I can't. I was like, oh, man. So Prince did break it down by himself. Oh, um, man. Then Prince said, I'll be back. And he changed clothes in like a break, an intermission, and everybody was like tripping because he played for an hour already.
1: He comes back. And by the way, this thing started at like one in the morning. Right. Wow. I ain't never been to a party that
2: cold in my life. Right. It was unbelievable. But at this party, now this is where it gets to the
1: job winner's party. During his second performance, he pulls out the bass, and he starts playing Ram Central Station, the jam. do do do
0: do do Okay. You know song, right? Yes, sir. I got you. I got you.
1: and guess who I ran into? I said, who? He said, your hero, Larry Graham. I said, what? He said, Larry Graham had moved to the Bahamas. And I was like, man, he had fallen off the
2: face of the earth. I had met Larry one time. And by the way, Larry's shorter than you think. Oh, really? Not as short <coughs> as friends. right friends. Larry looks tall, but Larry
1: is not that tall. Larry might be 5'10". He
2: might be 5'. Wow, okay. So, yeah. So I met Larry once and been
1: to all of his shows. I mean, I've been on all his show, and Tom knew that too. So he said, he said, uh, yeah, let move out to uh, the Bahamas. He said he's still performing here and there, but he's living in the Bahamas. And I said, man, I'd love to have him on my show on the ticket, because when I was doing my show on the ticket. By the way, just to show you how much I respect Prince and all that, my theme song, 17 Days,
0: is Prince. Yes, yes sir. Anybody listen to my show, that. That's, 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 exactly yeah. right. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> exactly right. And even when I did that,
1: even when I did my show on the weekend on 1053 The Fan, that was my, still my theme song. Okay. So, you know, Prince Throwing Through, that's 17 Days
0: and the Beautiful Ones, are my two favorite songs from Prince. I but, love Beautiful Ones. Uh, back to Larry, Back to Larry Graham. I said, yeah, I, get, I got a phone number.
1: Give him a call tonight. So I called Larry Graham from my house and asked him, because, you know, I can do what I want to do on my show on, on the 105 be The Band. I mean, excuse me, on the, on the ticket. Right. I can just do what I wanted to. Do. And so I said, do you want to come on the show? And he said, yeah, man. I'm, I know he said, yes, I'd love to. And big <laughs> deep voice he yeah. Right. On bass. On bass.
0: So, go you know, ahead, go ahead, Chris. I go ahead, C.A. Get it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I put him on the show, and we're talking about everything, and I told him on there, I said, man, you won't believe this. I'm at, I'm at uh, one of Prince's parties up in his, his studio at Paisley Park with, with Tom, and I kid you not, Prince started playing the jam, and he played the whole thing, and he was playing it just like you. And he goes, wow, I'm really flattered. I had no idea. He liked my work, and I'm at I, I'm a big admirer of his. I'm a, I said, You don't know Prince? No, I'm really honored. He's one of the greatest musicians of all time, man. He's crazy. Entertainer, I've never met him. I was like, Wow, well, he is a huge fan of yours because, I mean, he played the
2: entire seven minute version. He broke it down.
1: Well, I'm not lying. About months later, I looked up and Larry Graham is now. Opening for Prince. Oh wow! On his show, on
2: his <laughs>
1: and here's where it comes full circle. So they come to Dallas, and of course, you know I'm at the show and all that. But before that, the promoter for his concert said that Prince wanted the okay. Back in those days, you're at a Mirage. Yes, huh? extra at the door because he takes care of the band. He gives the band a, a bonus for hanging out with him and performing at the after party. I ain't going to just go up there by himself. Of course. And, you know, he's, his band, they're not going out there for fun. He is, but he's like, I want to give you some bonus money for playing even longer. Gotcha. So they wanted to get a cut off the door. So it was, I'm the one getting the cut off the door. I said, well, yeah, no problem. Yeah, shoot for credit. Come on, man. it's my boy. So, Prince, his band, Larry Graham, the original Graham Central Station, they all came to Guadalupe Mirage. Guadalupe Mirage also had a VIP room, not just a VIP area. They set up the equipment, and we're back there chilling in the VIP room. And, you know, I talked to Prince for a while, and, you know, everybody swam Prince, so it's back there. And I ain't going to haul Prince and, you know, tie up his knife. Right. And I get over to my little booth and I get Graham, and I say, Larry. How in the world did you wind up hooking up with Prince? You didn't even know him when I talked to you last year. And he said, man, "Man, I was performing in Nashville and Prince was in town recording and he came backstage to my concert and we hit it off.
2: And next thing you know, he invited me to Minneapolis and I moved to Minneapolis. (laughs) I said, what? You have left the Bahamas and moved to Minneapolis?
1: Yes, I moved to Minneapolis and we have become very close. He said, in fact, Going to become a Jehovah Witness now. I went. What? Because Larry Graham is a
2: Jehovah Witness.
0: Okay. All so right. Larry
1: Graham is the one that turned Prince
0: into a Jehovah Witness. And, and you turned Larry Graham yeah. into knowing that he was that Prince was a huge fan of his. Okay.
1: No, no, no. Like I said, I can't take credit. It was just the ironic thing that Larry had no idea that
0: Prince was a huge fan. I mean, I didn't know Prince was going to show up in... Well, oh, okay, right, right. I got you. They'd run into g up Right. I, all I can say
1: is, wow! What are the
0: odds? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, no. Nah. One of those that's, I got lots of them,
1: you know. A lot of them I got to
0: keep to myself. Well, when you write the book, we're gonna we're gonna have you back on to uh promote the book, and and I would have read it, and we can dive into the real juicy stories. Appreciate anything, uh, anything you give us. But yeah, no, nah, that's uh, I mean, so you you've got the real experience. I mean, you, you've got a uh, like I said, a true relationship that they said spans three decades plus. And first name basis. He was just a a regular mellow kind of, I mean, I've heard that before, that he was, you know, down to earth in the sports, just a regular brother, if you will.
1: Yes. Yeah, he's a regular guy. One thing you got to always remember, though, this is what a lot of people don't understand. He's also, especially, I'd say the last 15, 16 years, he's also been all about giving back.
2: Always honoring different artists, right? Yes, so my mother, yes. Her her group is part of that, and some of these scholarships
1: that the Kennedy Center gives out, some of those things happen in Oklahoma through her, her uh, uh, Black Liberty Arts Center, and they provide computers and arts education for kids in Oklahoma. In fact, Ludacris has done some things with my mother's foundation. And so again, I totally related to Prince on what he was trying to accomplish on that level as well, and that's something that G didn't want people to know about because as a Jehovah Witness, you're not supposed to talk about the
2: things that you do that are giving. Okay. know
1: what I'm saying? No, that of course. Like then you're not really giving from your heart. Jehovah it, it, Witnesses are not supposed to really discuss how they give back. That ma- that makes sense. Oh, no. so I was saying, uh, in a nutshell, there's some levels to press that a lot of people don't know, but he was he's very he's very he's a very, very smart person. That's why I'm wondering. Now I don't know, and I have we'll find out in the next few days. You know, he said he didn't have a will, and I don't know if that's true or not. His will might be in that bo all those songs. Right. Because he he was on top of everything. This man i telling you, I, I can't explain it other than to say he was a very astute businessman. He, he won his battle with the record company. It took him a couple of decades to get his master's. Remember he had Slave on the side of
0: his Yeah, that, that was the Warner Brothers thing, right, where he uh, sued Warner Brothers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right, he, and he was trying to get his master's back. A lot of people don't know this. Did you know he
1: re-recorded every single song he wrote for all those albums? He did them for Warner Brothers. He re-recorded it in his own studio, and he had to, he had those tapes in case... He was looking at every angle possible to maintain control of his music. And one of the, his biggest problems with Warner Brothers... And by the way, he had struck a deal with them, if not last year, the year before last, where, I mean, he'd got his masters back and all that, where they were going to distribute some of his music. And then, I think the last deal he had i think that was just for like a year or as long as he wanted to do it he could he could drop off whenever he wants but he was doing the deal with title he was release, reduce, uh, releasing his music
0: through Jay- jay-z's uh streaming service title right and that was the last thing he did. but he was very astute with his music and very controlling and very protective and very it's such a smart businessman did you know his videos weren't allowed online YouTube could not run videos, Tim. I did know that because yeah, you you couldn't uh you couldn't find anything. No no none of his songs. So yeah, I, I was aware of that, which is I mean to have that level of control even into the the twenty ten pluses is, is is pretty amazing. So yeah, no that, I knew that about him. It is
1: and, and right now you're seeing all this flood of press videos and performance. That's gonna stop soon as if they stay true to his beliefs. You know whether it's, it's just a taika or whether it's somebody that's you know knows his
2: business acumen and his beliefs that stuff's gonna get pulled down again. yeah you know that's not what he wants you know that's
1: even though people are bitch, even though it's like a tribute so to speak right now right watch by the fall I bet
0: that stuff's pulled down Yeah, to your point about his control and being, you know, an astute businessman, so you're saying that, you know, you don't think he would have taken, or, I mean, obviously we can only speculate, but he wouldn't have taken not leaving a will for granted, I mean, or or not, what am I trying to say? Right. Taking his, you know... Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: that's too big, that's too significant,
0: that's control of his empire. Right, okay. How he not determine who gets control of his empire?
1: And you also got to understand this, he just made a deal with a, a, a book publishing company to write his memoirs. He had a, a, a writer who was a music critic that was going to do the writing part, and he was going to uh, dictate his, his memoirs, and he'd already done 50 pages. Oh, wow. He'd done this in March. He made that deal in March. I want to say
0: it was with Simon & Schuster. Okay. And he was going to write his memoirs, and the name of his memoirs is already... He already decided it was going to be called The Beautiful Ones. Oh, man. I don't know what's going to happen now, but, I mean, this man was
1: totally in control of his stuff, and nothing happened without his approval. Nobody ever took advantage of him, ever. Okay. So, I find it, I find it amazing that he would not have a will. I would say this, he there's not a will that they can find yet, but I bet when they go all the way through Paisley
0: Park, it's somewhere I mean, and based on the way you describe him, and then when I just think about it practically, the, the amount of control, the amount of knowledge and, and skillfulness, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense that you would leave the biggest, um especially, you know, I mean, 57 is not old, but obviously, you know, you, you start making different decisions, you know, and he has advisors and whatnot. So you, you would think he would right, have controlled that. Thing, the-
1: trust a lot of people so he was always changing out managers or lawyers and he also did not like to sign a lot of contracts he would do it himself or he'd figure out a way that he didn't have to have his signature on stuff if he could
0: but that doesn't mean that he would not have a will right because not having a will is contrary to control of course right yeah i mean you give up everything. You know, you what, if, if you don't want the record yeah, I, label to, to have a say so in, in what you do and how you distribute, why would you let the state of Minnesota, uh, you know, d- dictate how your assets yeah. are split up, you know? Exactly. I, I, bet he's got a will. They just don't know where it is yet because he wasn't going to leave it in somebody else's control. Right. And I
2: bet it may be in that fault and you may find that out later. I don't know. If I'm wrong, then I'm completely wrong and I'm going, huh, who would have thought that? But I, based the, the guy that I know, way he's always handled himself over the
1: last 35, 36 years, he's he's too smart. This man's a genius, not just a musical genius, a business genius. I remember when they built Paisley Park, they everybody said it was too big and it would go under, and he's going to go broke, and he did. He did not go broke, and he didn't. It didn't go under, and it was because they were like, why would he build this major recording studio with a gigantic soundstage? In Minneapolis, when it's probably better served in New York or L.A., they, they thought it was just insane at the time that he built it.
0: And that thing is worth like ten million dollars. And I think Tiger says she's gonna, or Tiger's husband said they're gonna try to turn it into like a Graceland, which is which I think would be smart. I think. Me too. Uh, you'd have control over. You can share. You can share it but you have control. Right. Hey, no.
1: I hate to let you go. Yeah, I,
0: I, know know I know we ran over time. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, but man. I
1: have to take Line
0: up. Yeah, okay. I appreciate it very much. Uh, I, I will uh, be in contact with you. I'll send this out to you. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it very much.
1: All right, you take care. And again, bye, club. I hope I haven't said too much. All I'm thinking,
0: all I'm thinking about is, I, I think I've told you enough to give you a good clue. Is that Does that work? Yeah. No, hey, you, you've got more than enough, man. I think we, you've got our appetites wet, and we can't wait for the book and anything else <laughs> you have on it. So we really appreciate, it, man. Enjoy the rest of your day, and I'll uh, follow up with you and uh, see if we can get you back on to talk sports and other things.
1: All
0: right, MC, you take care, bud. All right, thanks, CA. See you later, man. Bye,
2: bye.
0: Bye, bye. Wow, right? I mean, what a what a, what a time! What what a guest! What what a, what stories he had about Prince! What insight he had into Prince Rogers Nelson, and maybe. Added a little bit more uh, to the dynamic and the story of the man that... Uh, the myth, like he said, just a mysterious kind of guy. But, you know, uh, really appreciate uh, Chris's time. He was at his uh, son's track meet, actually. And initially, he told me he only had 10 to 15 minutes. And I think we stretched it out to about 35. So I really appreciate him uh, letting me take up his time. Hope you guys like the interview. Hey, let us know. Use the hashtag, #TheVocalMinority you know tweet us tweet about us talk about it on facebook you can reach uh, chris arnold at mr chris arnold on twitter you can hear him every day on the gbag nation on 1053 the fan every day 10 to 3 check us out make sure you subscribe like rate review tell your friends thanks for downloading and we'll highlight you next week All right, welcome back. I know you just heard me talk and just wrap up the show, but I wanted to come back one more time because obviously, a couple things in that interview. The sound, you know, I was just getting started, so things are improving. That's another reason for you to go donate to the show: the Report dot com slash donate. Leave us a few shekels, one time gift or recurring gift donation. It'll really help the show out. Still upgrading the equipment, but also wanted to commend myself for even a year plus ago asking folks to go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts now, leave a rating, leave a review. It's really important. I think we only have 24 reviews on Apple Podcasts, which is crazy considering the amount of downloads and listens we have. I realize not everybody listens on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Shout out to my SoundCloud folks and everyone who listens through everywhere because we're available everywhere you get your podcast. But if you have the ability through your iPhone, go to that Apple Podcast app, the little purple uh, app, I guess is what it is, or, you know, download it, get on iTunes, search for the Vocal Minority Report, leave us a rating review. You can really help us out. Pretty cool to interrupt myself and ask you all for the same thing, but I appreciate it. also it appears that Chris and I were wrong about Whether or not Prince had a will Still very surprised by that It was left to the state of Minnesota I'm sure you guys have kept up with uh, What's happening there I so, hope you enjoyed this episode We'll be back with episode 52 A fresh brand new interview For that ass <laughs> In the next week and Some semblance of news Could have downloaded any podcast in the world still rocking with your boy. I appreciate that. Have and always will. All right. We'll at you next episode. All power to the people. Peace. This has been a Vocal Neighbors production.